What's up, guys? I'm so excited for this interview because the guest that we're bringing on to the show today is going to share his story with you and, and show you that uh, even when the playing days are over, if it doesn't end how it was expected to end, it's not the end because it's actually just the beginning. Uh, he's going to share his story with you about how concussions played a major role in his playing career, but how he took advantage of the opportunities given to him after that to now be a coach and get behind the camera uh, for the Idaho Horsemen. So you don't want to miss this interview. It's going to be a really, really insightful one. And uh, he's given a lot of advice to athletes and the parents of athletes, student athletes, so that you uh, understand the importance of going to school and taking care of yourself. Check this out. This is the Game Time Guru. So what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. Four and a half years strong. We're going with this show. We've already surpassed 200 episodes. I want to give a special shout out to the listeners out there. 91 different countries we've we've reached. We're continuing to grow the show. And I want to ask if anybody is listening to this right now and has not left me a review on Apple Podcasts, please do so. It helps the show get out to more people so that people can hear the guests and their stories. And you know, on this show, the goal is to deliver a panoramic view on sports. And the whole point of that is to bring on guests, share their stories, and uh, get to know the inside scoop, if you will, on things. And um, today, we have a really, really special opportunity to hear from an individual who, you know, competed in sports at a high level and has quite the unique story of, you know, why, you know, they're still contributing to sports in a different way. This way, it's behind the camera. Um, right now it's behind the camera, but before that it wasn't that way. It was, he was on the field, but we're going to, we're going to get to hear his story about, you know, what changed and what happened in his life and, uh, how he's still contributing to the game behind the camera as well as coaching. So his name's Stone Belzo and I met Stone, uh, at the Idaho Horseman games here, helping cover uh, the horseman a little bit and, um, had no idea of this story. And now today he gets to share that with the rest of us and, and the listeners out there. So hopefully, um, someone can find this inspiring and motivating and, and uh, find some value out of this. So, Stone, first off, thanks so much for joining the show, brother. Yeah, it's great to be here. I'm glad. <clears throat> this is super, super exciting. Um, yeah, so we're going to rewind the clock. Uh, before, you know, I mentioned I met you with the Horseman. Your your brother uh, plays for the Horseman. He's quite mm -hmm. a stud himself. His name's Hunter, and and he's out there. I finally got to see him play. Like, he hadn't been playing for the first couple weeks of the season due to an injury, but he finally got out there and started playing. Um absolute stud and then i you know it's, it's just a weird connection how social media works because i guess it was your dad who had followed me on twitter because i was following the horseman so he was just getting kind of some updates on the on the horseman and then th i got to know you a little bit more and it just was a weird connection how that all worked and then it would uh they were like you got to get stone on the show so we're gonna rewind the clock stone a little bit and talk to you about your your athletic upbringing you know where you're from uh, tell us where you're from and what sports you played and how long you've been competing in sports. Was it from a young age that you always played football bat or, or any other sport, or was it just – when did you start? Yeah, so uh, I'm from uh, Middletown, Connecticut. Uh, I started playing football when I was four years old, actually. You're not supposed to do contact football at four years old, obviously, but uh, I remember I would just show up to 
my brothers practice it. Like it would, I would be practicing with them, full pads on equipment. So I started playing football at four years old. And uh, I also played baseball for a while too. Baseball is actually my first love. And then I just decided to play football uh, when I got to high school full on. So, so I played those two when I was younger. You started <laughs> at a real young age then. Yeah. So yeah. even here in Idaho, most of us who, who play football, I mean, I played my whole life as well, like going up through the high school ranks. Um, I mean, I didn't start till I was seven though. And that was flag. Like I was, <laughs> it's a little different game. Now being from back East, did you guys have like I, I, the the only one that like really is a a well known like big time name out of Connecticut is, is Steve Young. Uh, Steve Young is a big name out there. Did, is, is that someone that you guys look up to from being back there at all, or was that not really something that you guys heard about? Because that's somebody I know of that's from Connecticut. But I don't really know a lot of big names that are from there. Well, it's funny, honestly. A lot of people don't know he's from Connecticut, uh, and it's kind of interesting. But uh, I would say for our hometown, the biggest name that we have is Andre Drum from my home uh, so i like to represent that and like get that out there but um when it comes to like really like high profile guys i'll be honest with you there's not really really that many guys from connecticut that are like that i would just say like steve young andre drummond uh and then there's a few other guys too but they're not really like well known it's kind of weird <clears throat> that that is interesting i didn't realize drummond as well so that's that's cool i mean i i studied uh steve young um quite extensively. I read a book of his. So I, I remember like reading about how like not a lot of people knew, like no one was paying attention to sports back in Connecticut back then. And he was kind of making his own, you know, name heard back there and doing his thing. Then obviously traveled out to the West coast, play at BYU and whatnot, but just interesting. So coming from, from Connecticut, you're over there. Um, what are sports like in Connecticut for you? Like talk to us about what it's like growing up there. We're over here in Idaho, other side of the country. What was it like there? What's the competition like? Uh, what's the biggest sport? I mean, is lacrosse a big sport there? Is football a big sport? Is basketball? Like what's it like in Connecticut for the upbringing for, for the youth? So basically how Connecticut works is obviously we're at a disadvantage because we're a really small state, but uh, well, honestly, we have a lot of talent throughout the state, and I think it gets overshadowed by the fact that we're just such a small state, and we're New York and these type of places around football and basketball. Those are the two biggest things right there. Like that, that's the decision that people usually make. Baseball is also like somewhat of a big thing, but football and basketball are the biggest things out in Connecticut. <clears throat> um, we actually had a lot of guys from my graduating class um, and a few other like. Uh, the year ahead of me as well they a lot of guys got drafted into the nfl draft this year too so the exposure is starting to get there like connecticut is just full of talent it's just about the exposure from just being a small state but um football and basketball are the primary sports out there so so people yes. live and die for <laughs> i did i dig that though i'm glad you actually said that I, I think that's a very common um issue with some of the smaller states idaho runs into the same problem we got a lot of talent out here from the you know high school perspective but not a ton of exposure which is part of the reason I'm doing what I do with my platform. And, and uh, there's a couple other guys out here that are now trying to really utilize like social media, for example, leveraging social media to try to get exposure for the, the younger kids out there because there are, there is super like talented athletes or super talented athletes all across the country in different areas, but they don't get the exposure. And then you never hear about them because they don't get to go to the big schools because they didn't get the exposure. When in reality, they probably could have had they had the exposure and the other opportunities that some of the bigger States do. So, Oh, were you going to say something? Yeah. Also, too, to add off of that, too, the weird thing is about guys from like Connecticut is, is the majority of them is that if you don't go to high division one level, majority of guys in the East Coast go division three level. And it's kind of weird because there's like that. There's like really no in between. So it's like you could have a really talented guy with a division one skill who just 
probably didn't have it in the classroom and they just go division three. And it's like really weird because when I came here out to the West coast, it's not necessarily like that. And I that was just also another an adjustment that I noticed uh, from the West East coast too. <clears throat> that is interesting, man. Um, over here, like you see a lot of junior college, uh, especially out of Idaho, there's a lot of junior college routes, uh, basketball, football, whatever people will go junior college. If they don't make it to the big schools, um, they have a lot of opportunities there and then they'll try to make it, you know, to the next level. Super interesting. So we get into the, you know, your sports days going into the high school level. This is where the, the story gets interesting. Um, you're a baller, right? You're going into the high school level. Talk to us about what positions you played and kind of what was your, what was your high school career like? And what were your plans when you were in high school? What was your mindset stone as you were like thinking towards the future and what you were going to do at the next level? So it was actually interesting. So it started off when I was in eighth grade. It was about three or four months until I graduated middle school. And I, I, the head football coach came up to me and was like, are you interested in coming to practice with us and do seven on seven? This is varsity football. So me in eighth grade, I'm like, this is damn near the NFL for me almost. So I was a little nervous at first, but I was like, yeah. So it all started off of me just playing safety when I was in eighth grade during seven on seven. So getting those reps, um, I was a four-year starter uh, for from freshman to senior year. I played safety from freshman and sophomore year. I played outside linebacker, a little bit of running back my junior year. And then I was quarterback my senior year. Um, it was honestly one of the most funnest times of my life. I just wish ultimately like the discussion we had a little bit earlier before the show is basically I just taken school more serious. And I would say, I think looking back on my high school self, that's the number one regret that I had because if I wish I took advantage of the classroom, then my outcome would be a little bit different. Um, but I would say it was a fun time, like Middletown high school where I went to was known for football. It's known for producing athletes and things like that. And it was just overall, just a very great time for me. Um, then um to get more depth in depth to it uh, about what we were talking about too so my senior year came around um i was getting looked at by army navy and stony brook those are my top three schools those are who i was really focused on and who i was going to decide from um then it was about halfway through my senior season um all the, all three of those schools came back to me and said academically i was not able to make it in there so after that happened it kind of just put me at a, at a at like a roadblock basically in my career, just kind of just trying to figure out, okay, so now I don't have these options. I don't have a fallback plan. Now, what am I going to do? So there was a point in my life in my senior year of high school where I, I wasn't going to college. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know if I was going to be able to get into a college. Um, I actually got, I got blessed that um, my brother went to Spring, Springfield College. He basically just kind of put my name in, in, in there for them. They had a discussion with me and they were able to get me in um, with a 2.4 GPA. And I was able to just go to Division Three, be able to play there with my brother. But to bring that back, section of it, um, my senior year, I got uh, two concussions in one football game, which really kind of screwed me up. Um, I was saying earlier, too, how on my second concussion that game, I woke up, my right arm was completely stiff. I had no idea where I was I'm around I didn't I didn't even know I was playing a football game and wow. it was it was crazy so I was basically just laid out there I remember they walked me off to the sideline and they were just like do you know where you are do you know who the president is I and I honestly I just remember looking them at them with a blank stare and didn't know and then I grabbed my helmet and I run onto the football field and this is still with five minutes left in the football game and because at this point I don't know what's going on I'm just thinking like it hit me after I, after a little bit, that okay, I'm at a football game and it was just like a, a subconscious like thing. I grabbed my helmet and I run on the field and 
I remember the athletic trainers were out there like grabbing me and all this other stuff. So they took me off the field and then um, I went to the doctors. They told me I had just a full blown concussion and I just had to relax. Um, so then after, so I ended up going to Springfield college in my freshman year of college, I ended up third day of practice, full pads, first hit, boom, was knocked out. I honestly don't remember what happened. I remember I was just standing up straight and everything was white and it was just basically like a bomb went off in my head. So at that point, and at that point in my life right there, and when I was told I couldn't play that season, I had the mindset of saying without football, there's nothing. So what I did was I failed four out of my five classes my freshman year. And it was just a very difficult time in my life because I, I was saying to myself, if I'm not playing football, why am I at school? And I wasn't seeing the bigger picture of things. So after going into my sophomore year, um, got, um, I was able to get re-healthy again. I was back lifting, back working out, all this other sort of stuff. Um, I come back, I get another concussion. This is the third day of practice again, same sort of situation. Um, so at this point, at this point, um, I'm told that I can't play football anymore. All this other sort of good, all this other sort of stuff. So now I'm at the deepest point of my life. Now this gets me into the point of where concussions can play a huge factor in someone's life, right? So ever since I had concussions, the one thing that I noticed was my mental health was not where it once used to be. Um, I was a little bit more down on myself. I looked at things more negatively, all this other sort of stuff. Um, I would have headaches on a consistent basis. I even passed out twice from having concussions. Uh, it's just a lot. And going through that time, like it really made me kind of figure out who I was as a person dealing with these concussions. Um, because the biggest thing that I noticed about myself was, is that you have to make the decision in life, no matter what it is. At some point in your life, you're going to have to make the decision. Am I going to become this person or am I going to become that person? Right. So it's basically just weighing out the pros and cons. I remember sitting in my room. I'm like, if I don't go to school, if I quit school now, what am I going to be when I go back home? Am I going to be a guy who's going to be working a nine to five for the rest of my life and not enjoying myself and being in this hole with this dark cloud over me with regret? Or am I going to be someone who's going to persevere through this type of thing, find the, find the positive outcome out of this and be able to do something with this opportunity, right? So I basically looked at my concussions as basically a blessing in disguise. I was destined to do coaching, video, all these sort of things. It's just that these concussions made it happen faster. Right. And that's basically the kind of way I, the way I looked at it. So that's basically so when it comes to like concussions and stuff like that, when people when people deal with that, I always take that seriously because I know exactly where someone's coming from. I know the dark place that you can enter when you're battling with concussions. I know what it can do to you mentally. It can make you become a totally different person. And honestly, like me telling this story, like I have a lot of other interesting things to get into. But if I had to say the number one thing that I want someone to take away from this conversation between me and you is understanding the importance of mental health and wanting to help somebody and make sure someone's in a good place in it all the time. And I think that's just the number one focus that I want to get out there. And that's something I want to speak about too. So, yeah, this is, this is crazy. <clears throat> I, a couple things to unbox here from your story stone. Um, yeah. The whole, like even the, the, the explanation of what happened in your high school game where you said you like, didn't even know where you're at. I remember a mm -hmm. friend of mine who played linebacker, uh, getting hit a concussion. He was explaining to me what happened when he did. It was very similar. I mean, I remember him just saying, you know, he got popped when he was making a tackle, just helmet to helmet collision. And then he mm -hmm. gets back in the huddle. It was kind of routine oriented. He just got back in the huddle and 
the the other guy in the, on the team was calling the play out for them on defense and he he said i remember what he said and we we mm-hmm. broke from it we get back into our defensive set and he goes i had absolutely no idea where to go they're like where are you going man and he's like what mm-hmm. do i do and he didn't even realize what he was doing and it was just super crazy which is scary um that yes. i bring that up because what you're saying is congruent with what he told me and that was over 10 15 years ago that he told me that story when it first happened and now mm-hmm. hearing you say it i'm like oh wow like so that does seem like a very congruent story to what happens when you get a concussion the mental health aspect is such an important piece that i would like to dive into a little bit more as well because it does it it's you're messing with your brain but with football um on this show i've actually spoken with andrew golden from athlete intelligence they're monitor they have a monitoring device on on helmets now that they're using for head impact to try to figure out what can be done to help uh limit i guess these things i I, and my question for you stone is this though as a football player as a competitor we understand that is part of the game um as a former football player myself and a boxer like i i understand that that's part of the risk i take however a lot of the times these guys they put their ego up there or they're so competitive that they go back in the games and they continue to play and maybe they you know have they further their risk of injury my question for you is looking back hindsight would you have continued to play, you know, knowing what you know now about concussions and having experienced things on, you know, multiple times, would, do you regret going back and playing for so many years? Or do you think that was part of like, you know, that it would be okay had you not gotten concussions after that first or second one? That's honestly a great question. I would have to say, honestly, I don't regret it. Um, the reason why I don't re- regret it is my love for this football game is so strong that if that's how I go out, then that's how I go out. It's just the whole point of I had the opportunity to be able to play this game at a high level and at a successful level that I'm, I guess I, at this point in my life, I'm okay with that. Previously, I wasn't, but I honestly don't have any regrets. I think I would go back and do the same thing. Now, when it comes to somebody who, let's say, for example, I ha- when, I have a ch- when I have a kid down the road, if he says to me he just doesn't want to play football just based off of the risk of head injuries, I would completely understand that. I'm not going to be that guy who's going to be like, well, no, this, this, and that. No, I can understand that because dealing with this is very, very hard. So I have no regrets, but when it comes to me giving advice to someone, I'm all, I'm all open to playing and not playing. So I dig that. You see, (laughs) your eyes have been open. It seems like, so you're, you're very open-minded when it comes to it. Um, So you're, you're understanding. That's awesome to hear. Now the mental health aspect of it, we're going to get into what you're kind of doing now. I mean, you, you even mentioned there's like, a positive light to, to all of this a blessing in disguise, is the words that you use, you know, um, I'm, I'm a firm believer that there's a man upstairs playing chess in our lives, chess, not checkers. He's putting things in place for us the way that he wants to see it. That's my personal beliefs. Um, and so it kind of sounds like that's sort of what, you know, a blessing in disguise, you, these things kind of help speed up the process to get you into coaching. And then obviously, uh, some videography that we can talk about here in just a little bit. Um, but the mental health side of things, uh, th- there are a lot of reports and studies out there showing, you know, concussions can play a big, big role in depression, anxiety, and a lot of other things. I'm curious, man, like if there's somebody out there stone that's dealing with this, I know there are, there's tons and tons of them that are battling. Maybe they don't realize why they start to feel such anxiety when they weren't anxiety driven people before. Maybe they're mm-hmm. starting to feel down on themselves and they don't realize what it is before, but maybe they're sitting here listening and like, well, I've had a couple of concussions. Maybe there's some congruency, some parallels there. How did you get through those deepest, darkest parts of your life? Cause you mentioned like school, you were, you know, you're done with football, 
up until that point in your life, football was literally everything for you. So you, you, you didn't really see the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. You didn't know where to go at that particular point. And you were battling with some depression and some anxiety. Uh, how did you get through it? And what would you advise for other people that might be struggling with the same thing? So, okay. So first off, basically when I was going through a lot of this, there would be points in time where I wouldn't leave my room for days on end. I would stay in my room. I would just lock, lock the door. I don't want to speak to anybody. I don't want to be around anybody, all this other sort of stuff. But I would say the biggest thing for me personally is find someone who you trust or find somebody who you don't know. And what I mean by find someone who you don't know, that can be a mental health worker or that can be somebody else. Because a lot of times when you vent out your feelings to somebody, it takes a weight off of your shoulder. And that's what I noticed. Because prior to this, I was one of those guys who was very private. You ask me what's wrong, I won't give you an answer. And then one day someone just said to me, just basically just get your feelings out there, feelings out there to somebody and just see how you feel after. Um, I had a discussion with one of my best friends and just basically about everything that has been going on in my life how I feel, all this and that. And when I was done, it was basically like a hundred pound weight was lifted off my chest. And I would do that on a consistent basis. And that's why I said, find someone who you trust or find someone who you kind of, who, who, who knows you. I, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's someone like a mental health worker, basically. They don't know you, but it's basically like an outsider's perspective on what you're going through. And I think that is the best thing to do is find someone who, to talk to, get get your feelings out there. And I'll tell you what, it made the best, biggest difference in the world for me. And also, too, on top of that is forcing yourself to do good habits. So, for example, like I would wake up and not go to class for three weeks straight. I wouldn't go. I didn't even know what was going on in class. And then there came a point in my time where no matter how bad I didn't want to do something, no matter how much my mind was telling me, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, force yourself to do it. Because the minute you do that, it, it automatically puts you in a in a, in like a way of having good habit. And that's what I also did too, is basically just forcing myself to do good. So those two things right there, communication and forcing yourself to do things is probably the biggest advice I could give to somebody. I dig that, man. I appreciate mm -hmm. that. And I, and I think uh, the listeners here are going to love that as well. And and I hope if, if you're listening to this show right now, maybe you're a parent. Um, a lot of athletes are listening too, but if you're a parent of an athlete, uh, maybe use this as an opportunity to kind of like maybe analyze what maybe your kids going through pot potentially right now. If, if you, if you have a child that's uh, in high school or, or not even there yet, but just someone who might be, you're seeing signs of this, listen to what stone's telling you guys right now and kind of maybe utilize this as an opportunity to take advantage of that, that, and maybe, you know, help the situation. You know, uh, one thing I also wanted to talk about stone is I wanted to unbox this piece. You talked about when you were in high school, the, the importance of going to class. We've talked to a lot of coaches. We've talked to a lot of, a lot of athletes, like even the professional athletes that I've had on the show, like Jerry Stackhouse used to play in the NBA at Walter bond. A lot of these guys, Randy Livingston in the NBA, all of them. One of the things they've stressed a lot, um, in the conversation and you kind of talked about it were grades. And I don't think a lot of high school athletes understand that concept. They think that they can just, mm -hmm. oh, well, I'm going to be playing in sports, so I don't really need to go there. And then you have people like Cardale Jones, who went, played for Ohio State at one point, and he's a quarterback. And he said, we don't go to college to play school. We, and he wasn't a big advocate of you know school, so he just went there to mm -hmm. play football. And so I think a lot of athletes in high school kind of get that same mentality. They're like, oh, I'm good enough to go play sports. I'm going to get a full ride scholarship to go play sports. And when I'm there, I'm just going to make it to the league anyways. They're going to, I don't need to go to class. So I think the the answer is easy of like, yeah, go to class and do your work. But is there anything else you would maybe tell 
like for these kids that are, you know, they're athletes, but they, now they're hearing your story. You, it did affect you because the schools you wanted to go to like army Navy, they didn't let you in because yep. of that. What advice would you give besides just saying, go to class, maybe something more in depth on the importance of, of doing your schoolwork while you're in high school on top of being an athlete. Um, okay. So I would say the biggest thing that I, that I've figured out when it comes to academics and things like that is again, basically to say it goes back to a similar thing with mental health is always finding some sort of support system. Right. Uh, when I got to college, my freshman year, I, like I forgot to mention this earlier, I was kicked off the football team for two months because of my grades I had a 1.8 GPA, my freshman year. Um, I ended up meeting with this lady. She worked at the academic success center. Her name was Haley Walker. Um, basically what she did to me was she was like, you're going to meet with me every single day for three days and we're going to do nothing but homework. We're going to go over your assignments together. We're going to, she's like, basically, she's like, I'm going to give you no choice, but to sit with me and do your, do your schoolwork. Right. And I think, and that was the biggest change for me. So when you talk about when it kids taking school more seriously and things like that, I think a support system is huge. And I think what our school systems lack a lot of times is a positive, is a positive influence in the classroom. Uh, for me personally, my experience was, was not that great when it came in the classroom. It was basically teachers told me that I was either, I didn't have to do it or they didn't care if I did it. And I didn't have that person pushing me to do something and force me to do something. And I think that that's, what's big when it comes to classroom. So I would say a support system would be the best thing to be able to like focus on your school and have someone hold you accountable because accountability is the best thing when you want to achieve something. So having something, somebody hold you accountable. And also, too, it's just having positive influence in the classroom, someone who's going to who's going to be there for the for the for the better of the student instead of just being there to be there. And I think that's those are two of the biggest things right there that help a student focus on school. I dig that. And and I, I think anybody who's listening can relate. You know, you, you've mm -hmm. got teachers that truly care about their students. You've got teachers that are collecting a paycheck. There's a difference. Yes. And uh, and I think what you just said right there is, is super important, especially when you're in your developmental stages of your life, like mm -hmm. middle school, high school ages, like that's where you build the foundations, the habits, the routines that you need later mm -hmm. when you get out of that, even outside of education, it's, it's, yeah, that's what you need. And that's when you build it. I, I love that advice and, mm -hmm. uh, super important. Accountability is indeed huge. Now, before we, we move forward to the next part of your football journey, which is kind of like, you know, we're talking, we'll dive a little bit more into coaching and, and then what you're doing now with the horsemen. But uh, I want to know your thoughts on on the CTE discussion. A lot of athletes in the NFL are speaking up. Um, there's a lot more coming out, a lot more awareness, I should say, in the last maybe five to ten years because of the lingering effects of multiple concussions and so forth. Is there anything in your opinion, Stone, that can be done or should be done um, in regards to helping this, like, I don't know if you can necessarily eliminate these concussions and the risks that you mm -hmm. take. I don't know. And, and, and I'm curious for someone who's been in that, um, who's had the experience of concussions at multiple times that ultimately ended your playing career. What do you think? Is there anything that you think can be done to, to help this situation? So where the concussion issue is now in football, um, there's a lot of good things to it. There's a lot of bad things to it. Like, for example, I think, the way that they've been teaching people to tackle nowadays has been huge, keeping your head out of it. I think those sort of things make a difference. I think too, with the protocols, if I get hit hard, I whack the back of my head off the turf, they're going to immediately take me out, right? I think those are all great things, but I think there's still a lot of gray areas when it comes to this sort of thing. Like, for example, I probably took, 
I would I no joke. I probably took 50 impact tests in my whole entire life. I probably and I passed impact tests with full blown concussions. Like I'm talking like I knew I still couldn't play, but I was passing the tests that they were giving me and I was getting approved to play. So me in my competitive mindset, I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to play the way I feel right now. And, and, and so be it. So I think they're doing a lot of good things. I just think there needs to be a lot of change. And also too, when it comes to brain injuries, it's very hard to gauge and to get a gauge on like how severe someone really is. Cause at the end of the day, you don't know how damaged someone is mentally or in their brain until you get a deeper look and that's inside the brain. And I think it just makes it so hard to kind of like, like battle and like try to like stop this sort of thing because at the end of the day you really don't have that much control over it right it's a game of football like you're gonna get your head smashed at least 50 times a game if you play every down and i just think that the treatment aspect of it needs a lot of improvement i don't know what that needs but it's just not there yet um like the treatment that i got for concussions is basically just uh, when you're not at practice, go in a dark room and lay there all day. What's that going to end up causing? That's going to end up causing someone to be depressed, anxiety, and those sort of things. So I think it's little, like little treatment stuff and things like that need to be improved. I wish I can give like basically better ideas on how that can be. It's just that the brain is so complex that a treatment for it is just at this point, I would say unrealistic unless there's a deeper look into it. And that's just the whole gray area behind it. No, it's super insightful though. And it's intriguing because that is the, I think that's why we're seeing so many complications. So many people are like, well, why can't they just come up with a fix for it? Well, it, it, there's a lot to it. There's a lot of like, you know, humans themselves, they have to be honest. There's a lot of like self-reporting that needs to be done. Like somebody like yourself, you said you're a competitor. There's a lot of things that, you know, you might not feel great, but you're going to say you are, and you have to take your word for it. Sometimes there's money that's involved, especially at the professional level. I mean, there's a lot, but I do like the idea of what you just said there was super interesting and uh, in treatment, um, that, yeah, there's a lot of things that need to be done. And when I spoke with David Irving from the, when he was with the Dallas Cowboys, he was a defensive lineman. And David was telling me, you know, every single play that he's out there on the field during an NFL game, it's like a collision. It's like a, it's like a car wreck. He's like, I have broken fingers, but especially my head, he goes, I've got migraine headaches for three days afterwards. I'm still trying to figure that out. He goes guaranteed concussions, but sometimes at the professional level, they don't even test you because they don't want it. They're scared of the results they're going to get. And they, it's, it's a money game. So they need to have their star players out there. And so he, I mean, there's a lot of things that need to be done. Uh, people need to be held accountable and it starts from the top down. I think the treatment's a huge piece. So I appreciate you saying that. Um, but when we, when we, we see your such situation, you were, your playing days were kind of ended with, with, with the concussions and whatnot. And you did mention it opened up an opportunity to, to start coaching and everything like that. So I want to hear from stone, the coach now, um, how the game looks to you as a coach as compared to when you were a player like how how does the game look to you now and uh what are some of the things you've implemented into your coaching career and some of the things you've learned um i would say the biggest difference between coaching and playing well there's a lot of big differences i'll tell you um so like with football and when you play when you're playing football it's like really hard to describe um i would just say like the biggest thing between coaching and, <clears throat> and playing is is that you look at the game in a different view when you're a coach, you get it more in more of like an analytic statistical view behind it and basically just trying to find tendencies, tendencies, weaknesses, things like that. 
And when you're just, when it comes to like, like being a player, it's just like, I don't know how, when I played football, I'm a very prideful person and I take, and I would take things personal on the football field. Right. So when I came out there on the football field, I would always think that that person who I was lined up against did something to me wrong. It basically is how it's, it was weird. It was a weird way of looking at it. Like I would be, I was really aggressive. And now when I'm, when I'm coaching, I feel like a lot more laid back. I'm relaxed. I'm seeing things through a whole picture. I'm not focusing on one matchup between me and one other guy. I'm focusing on a matchup between 22 other guys. And it's just like, it's just like the whole analytic and statistical view on it as being a coach was something that I never had as a player. As a player, it was just that I'm going to line up across you. I'm better than you and I'm going to smash you in your mouth. So now it's a lot more different it's more like laid back in a sense of how of, of best way i could describe it so i don't know it's kind of hard to describe the difference but it's a lot more laid back than it is obviously playing so if you could go back in time as a player now knowing what it's like to coach other players for me coaching basketball for example at the you know the 16 year old level so they're you know high school level kids what i've noticed is my patience has been tested um, and I would have changed a lot of things that I used to do in practices, for example, when my coaches were talking. So like, there's a couple things that I, I go back and forth. I'm like, man, hindsight's always 2020. I wish I would have, uh, had this perspective as a coach back then, because now I know why my coach wanted to punch me in the mouth. And now I know why my coach made us run suicides when we wouldn't shut our ass when we're talking in practice and he's talking. So I'm just wondering like, what, that's also have, a great, yeah. yeah, I want to know if there's anything you would say to yourself as a player now, like now that you see it from a coach's perspective. It's funny because I remember as a player, whenever we'd get punished or have to just like run sprints. So for example, how our school work was, if one guy got in trouble, the whole entire team got in trouble, right? And that's how I was in high school. And I, like I, I never could figure out that concept. Like I did, but I didn't at the same time. But basically like when I became a coach and I looked at it from outside, outside perspective, it's basically that you have 50 other guys besides this one guy who could hold this one guy accountable and make sure he's making the right decisions and make sure he's doing that. Me as a player, I didn't realize that. You know what I mean? It was basically like, oh, this one guy is screwing up. Let him screw up. But in reality, from a coach's perspective, you want your other players to say, let's hold this guy accountable. Let's pick him up. Let's make sure he makes the right decisions. So when I became a coach and I, and I noticed that like you have, it's, it's a whole team. You can't just punish one individual. If one individual messes up, that means everybody else allowed him to mess up. So now it's everybody's everybody's fault and i didn't look at it that way before and i look at it that way now and that's like one small thing that's like really interesting to me as well totally i hope all the the athletes listening to this right now take note take it take a note right now take your pen out and write that down so you can you can hear from those who've been there i know it always sounds like oh my parents always told us this this and this and this but like for real as athletes and former athletes speaking to athletes right now please like take note of this because it's super important to have this perspective it's better to have it earlier than later so uh, i appreciate you sharing that now stone talking about where you're at now, um, like I said earlier in the show, like I met you with the Idaho Horsemen. You're you're taking you know footage of them with the camera. You're you're chilling here at this professional indoor football league. Uh, it's a smaller smaller football league, smaller football team, uh, but it's actually still really fun to be around. And you're you're a part of it with the with the camera. So let's talk about that. Now you're contributing to football not only as a coach, but now you're able to be alongside your brother with the the team that he's he's on on this side of the country in Idaho, um, taking footage of, of, of the game and talk to us about like how you see the game now doing it, you know, with the camera. All right. Well, it's funny because 
from a from filming the game, like from a, just a cameraman's point of view, no no X's and O's involved. Let me tell you something. Arena football is crazy. Like, it, just think about this. You have a you you're gonna take a football field and let's just cut it in half and let's put a wall around it. Like that's insane. Just off off the right there, and it's just like. I would say, like me filming the physicality, I think it's a it's more physical of a game than it is eleven on eleven football. It's just because it's so compact, everybody's on top of each other. So there's a few times where I'm sitting back and I'm just, damn, like this. I'll see a wall break. We were playing Oregon two weeks ago, and uh, Justin Clarkson caught a pass in the end zone. He gets hit, the wall broke in half. We had to stop the game for twenty minutes to put it back together. So it's like me from a cameraman's perspective and filming this sort of stuff. It's absolutely insane, and I have I love I love arena football. I think it's one of the greatest things that I've seen with my own two eyes in a while. So from a cameraman's view, I love it. But so I'm gonna tell you a funny story. So one day I was walking to practice, and um, someone said, "Oh, the cameraman's here," right? And in the back of my mind, I said to myself, I said, the cameraman, because I don't vision myself. I don't look at myself as a cameraman. I look at myself as, as like a coach. So I'm like, I just got called a cameraman, right? So I said, from there on out, I'm going to try to get myself a role X's and L's wise, right? So basically what my job was before the football season started was I would film the, every play from practice from above, and then I just post it on a huddle. So I said, what's one way that I can show that I know football while filming at the same time? So what I did was, is I learned their offense. I learned their defense. And what I would do is, is every time I'd post film, I'd label formation. I would label routes. I would label coverage. And I would do all this other stuff, right? And I remember a couple of days after Coach Reynolds comes up to me, he's like, how do you know all this stuff? And I was like, I just pay attention, right? So. Then once the football season started, what I started to do is, is I started to put tendency charts together. I started to put percentages together. Basically, just every every team that we were playing, their tendencies, how much they run the football, how much they pass the football, what formations. Do they line up on the left side of the field? Do they throw to the left side of the field more? Or do they throw to the right side of the field more? All these little things. Um, so I started to put that together for our coaching staff and this and that. And long story short is that a lot of people don't know this, but behind the scenes, I have a pretty big role now when it comes to X's and O's with just schematics, scheme, and all this other thing. So I think it's pretty interesting because people see me on game day with just a camera in my hand, but it's Monday through Friday. I'm, I'm X's and O's full on. That's my focus up till three o'clock in the morning, breaking down film and doing all this other sort of stuff too. So it's it's been a great time out here. It's been, I, I love it. So that is dope, dude. I, I love that story too. Cause now see now the, the people who've come to the, the horseman games, anybody who, who follows this league for that matter. Um, now you get to know like stone's not just the guy with the camera, which by the way, there are so many people, including myself. I'm like, are you not nervous when you're like standing right there? Cause like, even in this game, you're standing like right behind the line. Like you're on the field, kind of like the coaches are. I'm like, dude, if there's a turnover coming right at you, like how do you get out of the way? But luckily I don't think that's happened to you yet, but um, people just look at you like, well, I guess he's just the camera guy, but now they know the inside scoop of what you're doing behind the scenes. Yeah, sure. You get the, you get the footage on game day, which is awesome. Like as far as like being out there and doing your thing, but you have a vital piece in, in the entire, the entire system. You mentioned Idaho, you mentioned being out here. What are your thoughts of Idaho? We got to get this, this information from people who you're on the other side of the country. What are your thoughts for, about Idaho and be completely honest with us? 
All right, so before I came out here, what I was expecting is just dirt roads. Maybe I might see a horse and buggy down the road from time to time, something like that. That's what we. That's just what East Coast people expected Idaho to be, right? And then I and then I get here, and I honestly I fell in love with this place. Like I I I love it out here. Like Meridian's a beautiful area. Um, I love going down to the village, all this other stuff. I did not expect any of them like Idaho to have any of this stuff. But I'll tell you what's beautiful out here. I love it out here. Like even this view that I'm looking at on this back porch right here is just amazing. So it's a lot different than what I'm accustomed to. It's a lot more laid back. Let me say something. People, people who live on the East Coast have to take a deep breath because people walk around angry on the on the go, hustle bustle, twenty four seven. And then I come out here, and it's like people like people actually say hi to you when you're walking down the street. Like that's not something I'm even used to. So it's just like little things like that. So, I mean, I love it out here. Laid back, relaxed. It's not aggressive. It's a great time out here. Dude, that's so dope to hear, man. It's funny you said that because like my wife makes fun of me um, when I'm running around the neighborhood. I'll do my runs and stuff and I wave to everybody and she calls me the neighborhood wave guy because I like say hi to everybody. I'm just like, I don't know. That's how I've always been. She's not from Idaho either. She's from Washington, but it's just funny you mentioned that because I'm like, I don't know. I've just always said hi to people every time they walk by. I don't know. This is kind of how I've always been, but so that's that's good to hear. And plus, you mentioned the village. Shout out the village. That's where my wife and I always love to go as a family. Like, just walk around the village and just chill. Like, I don't even have to buy anything. Just walk around the village because it's kind of pretty outside and just hang out. That's cool go to hear. By, go, go sit go by ahead. the waterfall. Exactly. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, go, go chill by the waterfall and just relax. Sit back and, and hang out with your homies and whatnot. It's always good, dude. I, I like hearing the, the outside perspective. So, so Stone, I want to know now, like, Obviously, right now you're you're covering the horsemen, and hopefully this season continues to go well for them. Um, I'm enjoying covering the horsemen from from my angle, at least, uh, just kind of being around them. It's it's kind of fun. Um, I, I just I love watching guys compete. I don't care what level of football it is. I think it's cool when guys get out there and play the game they love. I mean, that's I'm 32 now, and and I still compete in basketball and and whatnot. But like, I miss some of the football days. I miss the boxing days. I miss that competition. So it's cool for me to watch it. But I want to know from from you know your perspective what are you gonna do like what should we expect to see from stone belzo moving forward um with your coaching career and maybe even videography and whatnot like what are you what are you taking from your experience here with the horseman and what should we expect to see you doing in the near future all right so uh finish up my senior year uh, of college coming up next semester um after that's done then i have my two graduate uh graduate assistant years so ga years so i'll go to grad school for two years basically just get more co just more coaching experience underneath my belt. Once those two years are over, I'm just going to put my whole resume together, send it out to literally every high division one program in, in, in the country, NFL in the country, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to send my resume everywhere and just try to just get a job at the highest level I could possibly get to and just always have the mindset of never being satisfied. Like my ultimate goal is like I was talking to my uh, head coaches, I want to be uh, a head football coach at a high division one program, or I want to be some sort of coordinator positional coach at the NFL level. Right. And basically how I have to get there is I have to put my dues in. Right. And I have to do, I have to do what everybody else has done. I have to do that. The work as a GA of carrying the ball bags to practice every day or having to roll the jugs machine out and doing all those other little things. But I always have to remember at the end of the day that those little things that I do are going to eventually pay off at the end. So basically, if, if you want me to put it down on paper in about 10 to 12 years right now, I will be a coordinator or a head coach at a high division one program or or hopefully in the NFL within 10 to 12 years and living out my dream. And that's what that's where I see myself going. So, yeah. 
I don't doubt that at all, man. I think that's going to be super sick. And we look forward to seeing, you know, where you go with all this. Cause you're already putting in the work right now. That's necessary. Um, if you had any parting mm-hmm. words to, to, to wrap up the interview, you know, one, I guess one, one piece of advice of like what sports have taught you in your life from any capacity, whether it be a player or a coach, what's the biggest thing that sports have taught you in your life? Because I always share with people stone that sports and, and life, there's some parallels, you know, athletes aren't just a bunch of dumb jocks. There are a lot of, a lot of good skill sets you can learn from competing um, that you can take into your regular life. So from your perspective, since you've got a lot of different perspectives in sports now from a different viewpoint, what is the biggest thing that sports have taught you for your regular life? I would say the biggest thing that sports taught me is is honestly just just my work ethic. I always knew when I played sports, if I didn't do my job in practice, if I didn't make the proper read, if I didn't make this tackle, it was always in the back of my mind that I was going to get benched. I wasn't going to play. So the, again, that's the same thing in life. Whenever you're doing something right, let's say let's say for example, I'm in school. Without school, you can't have life. And that's basically the same thing. School is basically football practice, right? It's basically you're in there, you're doing, you're doing like that extra work that needs to be done to be successful. All that little thing. You want to look at it as a gift rather than something that's hard. It be, but what I mean by that is, is like when I'm practicing football, right? I'm learning a new scheme. I'm learning a new play. I'm doing something to better myself. And that's how you have to look at it. And it's the same thing with you in a job or you uh, just in school or anything like that. Like you're doing something for a reason. Find the positive out of it and work hard. And that's all I have to say too, is like when it comes to life and sports, the number one thing is your work ethic. If you don't put the work in, you will not be successful and you will fail. And that's basically, and that's how life is. And as harsh as it sounds, it's the reality of it. People who are lazy and people who are sit back and people who wait for things to happen to them are the people who don't succeed. It's the people who go out and take advantage of the opportunity that they have is the ones who succeed in life. And if I had to give one piece of advice, I'd say that's what that is. Heck yeah, man. Words of the wise. Ladies and gentlemen, Stone Belzo. He's not just the cameraman. He he knows the X's and O's. He's the coach, the former player. He's got it down. And uh, I just want to say thanks once again, Stone, for for joining us and sharing your story here on the podcast. I hope everybody who has listened has, has learned something. Make sure you're subscribed to the show and leave us a review so that we can uh, get this story out to more people. But once again, Stone, appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was a great time. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.